It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now, so get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lord. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 93, Witches Brood. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. Everything is Satan. Everything was cool till you chopped down that tree. Everything is Satan. Now drown everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Copyright Talking Time Lords 2018. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been episode 93 of Talking Time. I'm just kidding. You like that? Oh, man. How do we top that, Paul? How do you <laughs> After you catch your breath, how's it going? If I can make it till the weekend, I will be okay for about another three weeks. There we go. <laughs> weekends are coming. The weekends are coming. Oh, man. <laughs> so you like that i do i just have one question paul how are we supposed to transition out of that you always find a way oh, sometimes they're rather abrupt but yes everybody uh welcome back to another fantastic episode of talking time lords uh we're going to be discussing the series 11 episode the witch finders between the 13th doctor of this episode we do just want to give you a quick update on a story we talked about a couple episodes ago regarding the New Year's episode, where they're telling us to ring in the Who Year. Very corny pun on the marketing yeah, front. Yeah, just a little bit. But that being said, there is an updated synopsis for the episode out there, or tease for the episode out there, if you're interested, as well as some new images uh, featuring the 13th Doctor wearing a very colorful scarf. Yeah, I'm kind of... Uh... I'm liking it, but I'm also kind of missing the fact that they had the perfect opportunity to revisit the old scarf all over again. Um, well, I, I think she might be a little <laughs> bit short for that one to work. Hey, she's got three companions. They can carry it around. <laughs> you, you could have everybody have a portion of that scarf around their neck and it'd be fine, right? Maybe not. 
so yes maybe it should be possessed by one of the remnants and then it can have its own life and oh, kind of you know, fly around the TARDIS no, and no you know no 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 no, no. <laughs> no it, it can be a good remnant you know I don't think there is such a thing <laughs> they were uh, created to be instruments of death so yeah let's not do that <laughs> anyway if you are interested if you don't mind being slightly teased or spoiled about the upcoming New Year's episode of Doctor <laughs> Who, you can go ahead and check that out, but we won't read that here until after the episode has aired. I will say this, I really, I kind of hope the scarf sticks around. We'll see. I mean, they, they look like they're, you know, obviously enjoying the, the cold weather because it is, the episode is supposed to take place on New Year's, so it is January, December, January, so I'm not sure it'll necessarily last when they go to warm climates, but you know, perhaps it'll stick around and come back every so often when there's a uh, cold weather at hand. <laughs> Four warriors all the time. So, you know, hey. <laughs> That's true. He did. But uh, and, and, and in past seasons of New Who, there have been some interesting wardrobe changes. So it would be really nice if that was something that carried over into the next series. We'll have to see how it all plays out. But that being said, let us turn to the episode at hand. We are diving into Witchfinders. The details for this episode are as follows. Originally premiered on November 25th, 2018. It was written by Joy Wilkinson, directed by Sally Abrahamian, and the synopsis is as follows. Team TARDIS lands in the early 17th century England in the midst of a witch trial, and despite her own non-interference policy, the 13th Doctor cannot help but try and stop the killings. However, with King James growing suspicious of the Doctor and her ways, it is up to her friends to play witchfinders and uncover the hidden mysteries behind the trials. Paul, our musical co-host this episode. <laughs> Affirmative. Affirmative, Boston. <laughs> what, what is your uh, spoiler-free reaction to this episode? I kind of... I, I liked the fact that uh, we got to see... Uh, a little bit more of a um, historical aspect once again in this episode. However, fantasy at the same time, you know, and, and what I mean by that is uh, this, it, it's, it's technically historical fiction. It could ha have had a location, you know, there could have been a location uh, that existed like this. Or, you know, this could have been something that, that King James was involved in. But there's absolutely no historical record to ever prove anything like that ever happened. Exactly. And so you, you get the historical thing once again for like the third time this series, but it's literally straight up historical fiction. And I, I like the fact that we get that this time around because it's nice sometimes to just have one of those what if type of episodes. Yeah. Just to kind of mix everything up and kind of give you that that warm Doctor Who feeling that you get throughout those those episodes over the decades of Doctor Who because you have so many of those. Yeah. Even the Atlantis episodes are technically historical fiction. So sometimes I think that's kind of fun when you get those kind of things. Well, I mean they're based off of you know mythology, but you, you get my point. Yes. So I, I really I thought it was really fun. Uh I, I do think that it was kind of almost heavy-handed 
with all of the references to Satan <laughs> throughout this episode. Um, but it also kind of, by the end of it, was making me laugh. So uh, I, I kind of, it, I started out, I was like, wow, really? You're, you're going to keep going there you know and then by the time we got to the end of it i was like i see what you're doing there this is funny you know yeah <laughs> so yeah i kind of I, I kind of I kind of enjoyed the the little in joke there you know i will say this much the feeling that i got especially with the villains in this episode kind of took me back to some of the ninth doctor stuff that we got in eccleston's series they were just enough over the top that they felt like we were going back to like the Slovene or uh, you get what I'm saying? Uh -huh. I mean, yeah. it, it was, it felt like, it felt like a real doctor who kind of borderline cheesy villain mm -hmm. when we got to the end of the episode. Yeah. I enjoyed the, this episode quite a bit. That should come as no surprise. I don't think, <laughs> but uh, they, they really kind of went back to a tried and true doctor who, Trope? In a, yeah, trope, I guess trope is a good word. <laughs> Although trope has generally has a negative connotation. I don't think it necessarily has to be. And it was really nice to have that, that familiarity back, especially this season when we've done a lot of, uh, you thought, and then, you know, twist at the end. It was kind of nice to have a bad guy be a bad guy. But that's just it. We got the twist at the end of this, and it was the twist in the other direction. Right. So right. yeah, we, we can talk. That's about that. what I thought was nice. That we can talk about that when we uh, when we get there. But well, I'm not spoiling it. No, I know. I'm just I'm saying. Letting people know that we'll talk about that <laughs> later uh, in our spoiler <laughs> section. But this definitely had some some throwback feel to it. You're right. It definitely had some Ninth Doctor feeling to it. Honestly, uh, as we started dealing with the the witches in particular, they had a uh, the feel of the there, there's these vampiric kind of the couple of Havamores and the Curse of Fenric, which is a Seventh Doctor episode. Mm -hmm. For anybody who's watched that classic story, they might recognize some of the uh, the way that the the witches acted were very much similar to the way that the the taken over people acted when they became the vampires in that story. They they almost felt felt zombie like at some point. Yeah, you know? a bit. So um, it was it was really kind of nice to get the the modern and classic elements, you know, kind of mixed together in this episode, in my opinion. But I think we should start hitting some of the details here. <laughs> so um, we'll pause and give River her space. <laughs> Spoilers. You have been warned. <laughs> All right. So let's let's jump into our our review here of the Witchfinders. Paul, is there a, a topic or or a character that you want to kick off with? Well, I actually wanted to point something out, uh, and we can kind of talk about this and then move on from here. First of all, Alan Cumming was uh, great in this episode. Yes, he played uh, King James the First. For those who are wondering, yes. But before the series ever started. There was actually a news article that came out that said that Alan Cumming had spoiled who he was playing in this series right out of the gate. Yep. And the, the, the news article specifically said that he was supposed to be in the third episode of the series. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which we now know from release was actually Rosa. Right. Okay. But 
if you go back and watch this episode, and I was, I, I, I didn't actually think about it at first, but as I was watching the episode, it started to unravel in my head. I see now why this should have been the third episode, because it's the very first time that they go back in history and the doctor specifically says you cannot change anything you cannot alter anything you have to protect history history cannot change and that's the first time that she makes reference to that in this episode specifically because in the we've already gotten two other episodes this series on release where she's made mention of this but she did not come right out at the very beginning of the story and say this definite thing to this trio and then have them question why she said it. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, I, I let I, me, let me finish. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Not only this, this is literally the very first story in which the doctor is downplayed by everyone around her because she is a woman. And she even specifically says in this episode, if I was still a bloke, this would not be a problem. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, so <laughs> it, it perfectly carries over with the two episodes that we got at the beginning of the season. And it would fit perfectly in the mix of them trying to get back to their own time before they ended up showing up with Rosa. Uh, oh. Production order versus planned order versus release order <laughs> is never something I like diving into because everything changes. <laughs> everything changes. Nothing oh. is set in stone when it comes to things like this. I can kind of <laughs> see where you're coming from, although she does get dissed uh, in Arachnids in the UK mm -hmm. by um, the, the hotel owner. But not to the point that she does in this. No, no. But but yeah. she hasn't had to go back to a time period where where it was as much of an issue until now. But I can also see why this is placed and released where it was in relation to Rosa, in relation to Demons of the Punjab, mm -hmm. because when we get to Rosa, they are there to keep history intact. They are there and they are working mm -hmm. specifically to ensure history plays out the way history was supposed to be. And th that is their right. goal. That is their set plan in that episode. We get to Demons of the Punjab, and it's like, well, let's take a look around. Let's see what happened, but you can't interfere. You know, so it's mm -hmm. sort of a bit more hands-off. And this time, she's like, don't touch anything, you know. And it's like one of those things, but then she breaks the rule. She's like, no, let's get involved. We got to do something. <laughs> so it's a, a, Which, ironically enough, is the way that it's supposed to have happened in the first place, because the very things that happen in this story cause the events to take place the way they were supposed to to begin with. I think I followed that. Because when Graham says there's no historical record of this place even existing. Right. Yeah. That's the, the, the events of this story are the reason why there are no historical records of this place ever existing. Right. And I think that sort of gives the doctor the, the wiggle room to get involved. But, you know, it also aliens change everything when it comes to historical events and, and that sort of thing. I'm not saying that I'm completely correct about what I'm saying here, but I'm saying that it makes sense. It could, it could, but I'm, I'm also, what I'm looking at here now is the devolution of the doctor's restrictions on what they do when they go back in history. She, right. She's reverting back to her norm. <laughs> what, what I almost want to say though is that Chris Chibnall was like, you know what? We're going to take this and move it further back so that people forget about this news article. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I, I, I have no idea how any of this all happens, and we don't need to know. And I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to do. I don't want to dive more into the speculation on release order versus planned order versus production order. Uh, according to the TARDIS <laughs> wiki, this was the fifth episode in production. So I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> So one place says it's the third, one place says it's the fifth, and one place says it's the seventh. <laughs> exactly. It was it's the seventh episode released. According to the TARDIS wiki, it was the fifth episode in production order. And according to this random article back way before the season started, it was supposed to be the third episode. Who knows? I don't care. I really don't. So let's move on. <laughs> anyway, I, I just thought it was interesting because uh, he specifically said he was playing King James in the news article. He did. So, he did. Uh, that yeah. and, and that it was dealing with witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So that that is definitely a big oops on his part. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't think that was supposed to happen. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so either. Oh, we, we misspoke, by the way. This was episode eight, not episode seven. Right. Yes. Sorry. We did. That <laughs> was way back. We in got the in a hurry and, and got excited. And, you right. Know, right. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, it happens, folks. It happens. It happens. We, we, we're not <laughs> paragons of all knowledge. We don't know everything exact. Uh, we do flub up. So we are we are not the TARDIS data core. No, no. Although that has been known to uh, give only specific information from time to time. <laughs> it, it is it is interesting though to point out that Alan Cumming has been offered the role of the Doctor at one point in the past. Do you remember when? Which doctor that would have been? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was before Matt Smith came on board. Okay, so post-tenant. Mm-hmm. Okay. I believe that's correct. Well, but he didn't want to move to Cardiff, so uh, that's what gave uh, Matt Smith the opportunity to step in and take on the role. Gotcha. Well, Alan Cumming was terrific. And one thing I will build off of that is that when he's first introduced, he's sort of presented initially as the villain at least the antagonist to the doctor and her companions. Right. Because she's trying to figure <laughs> out and solve this problem without getting anybody else killed. And of course the problem is, is witches, of course. And uh, <laughs> King James is there to meet with Becca Savage, who has already killed 36 people in her village for being witches. Such a appropriate last name. Uh, yes. <laughs> and so, you know, in order, supposedly in order to root out the evil of Satan and the devil. And so he has come to, to witness this and to assist her in her struggle against the forces of evil, which of course means the likelihood of more deaths, which is not what the doctor wants. So initially, (laughs) Becca seems to be simply misguided and encouraged by King James, and he comes off as sort of the antagonist, the well-meaning antagonist, at least from his perspective. Because he has to fight Satan! Exactly, Satan! (laughs) The servants of Satan must die! (laughs) Oh, man. I think this episode had the word Satan in it more than any other episode of Doctor Who ever. That's possible. <laughs> there may have been more uses of the word Satan in this episode than the word Kerblam in last episode. I know, right? That was titled Kerblam. In- including the sound effects of Kerblam. <laughs> yes. Kerblowy. Kerblowy. <laughs> 
And it oh. even goes so far as he and Becca accuse the doctor of being a witch, waving her magic wand, a.k.a. Sonic's true driver, yeah. around. And, and doing <laughs> things that shouldn't be possible. But he ends up being sort of the fall guy. And the twist is, is that there's actually an alien entity that is actually, you know, behind all the, this rash of witchcraft, quote unquote. And he ends up being kind of just the fall guy. Which is what we find out. We find out almost every single time that it's supposed to be this supernatural thing. We, we find out it's aliens in Doctor Who. Exactly. And that's that is the one thing that I was hoping would be a little bit different this time around, only because we don't get that. You know what I mean? I was hoping that it would be one of those things that makes the doctor scratch her head and go, what, there's really magic? You know? <laughs> oh, I thought that would be cool. But, you know, hey. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it, for this, since we haven't really gotten this, this sort of twist where the alien is, you know, working against the, the local populace and, and actually is the secret hidden villain, since we haven't really gotten that this season, <laughs> I was just really happy to find out that that's still a thing that Doctor Who does. And that kind the, of like the episode with Stormageddon where the uh where the Cybermen were hiding and uh <laughs> Sure. <laughs> hey, it it works. Just go with me. Sure. <laughs> um I mean there's lots of things with, with aliens hiding in plain sight. I mean you've got school reunion oh. where the uh we've got those changeling aliens that are the, the bat creatures. That are running the school. The daemons. Yeah. You know, things like that, you know. But it, it, it was just nice to see that that's still a thing that Doctor Who does, uh, even in the Chibnall era. It was like a nice coming home present, so to speak. All right. I want you to give me your opinion on the mud witches. They were curious to me at first. I was like, what, what, what's in the mud? What, what, is, what is this reanimation? And they were freaky. Don't get me wrong. They were kind of freaky. But they definitely walked around and behaved a lot like classic Doctor Who monsters, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, slow, <laughs> stiff, kind of, you know, meandering, meandering. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is this is really classic, classic Who. Here. At least there weren't any rubber bits, you know, bouncing around on them or, or anything flopping, like that. You know, flopping around awkwardly. <laughs> um, yes. No, that's true. Which is what made me think of, of uh, the Curse of Fenric. As opposed to the Sea Devils. Oh, don't, don't. <laughs> uh, which which uh, seems to be one of our popular episodes, by the way. I'm it, just saying. It did. Um, it was one of our popular episodes. There are, and there are things I like about the Sea Devils, but oh my God, there's some awful stuff in there too. Like that noise that, that, that the Doctor creates, that, gener that generates to, you know... Scare off the sea devils. Oh, you, you mean the second most annoying noise in the universe? <laughs> yes, that one. That almost made me turn off the episode. And now we're off topic. <laughs> no, I was looking at these guys, or these girls, I should say. I was looking at these ladies, and the more that I looked at them, the more that they reminded me of the Deadites in the Evil Dead movie. <laughs> you know, Not something I've seen. Well, if you're into horror comedy... It's it's something that everybody should see if you're into horror comedy. Let me put it that way. But yeah, uh, they they kind of reminded me of of the Deadites in the Evil Dead movie, um, not the new one, the original. So once I got that image in my head, it was a little difficult for me to get it out, and it almost caused me to see them in a more humorous way than in a threatening way, if that makes sense. It 
didn't really hit me completely that that's what they reminded me of until we got to the end of it and the queen shows up in all of her glory. So, well, yeah. well, the grin that old mother Twiston gets on her face when she picks up that axe was a little humorous and creepy at the same time. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh. and I'm like, okay, you're a little <laughs> excited there, but that's just weird. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. I did a little bit of, of research here. And this episode is supposedly taking place in the early 1600s, so early 17th century. There were the Pendle Witch Trials, which I think were referenced in this episode. Those happened in 1612, which are the most famous witch trials in English history. And Pendle Hill is actually where the tree was that was supposed to be the prison to keep the Morax, the, the aliens here, the mud aliens, imprisoned. Why does that name feel like a name that I've heard before in Classic Who? I don't know. <laughs> I know that I haven't, but it just feels like one that I've heard. You know what I mean? Right. I might have to do some research later. But, yeah, it was a quite famous witch trial in England, and there was quite a few witch trials that happened afterwards. But in England, it looks like they died out somewhere around 1650. Which is about the time that they sort of started in the United States. They moved west, young man. And of course, the United States, that all culminated at the end of the 1600s, 1692, 1693, with the Salem Witch Trials, which is what many of you will be more familiar with. So the Salem Witch Trials are directly inspired by the witch trials that happened in England earlier that century, including the Pendle Witch Trials, and other things happening around this time period of this episode. And, and, and so the office of uh, Witch Hunter General, Witch Finder General, is something that was real. That was a real position and a real post. And uh, so when, um, when the doctor claims to be that, or King James says, actually, it's, you know, Graham, <laughs> that was actually a real position that was held um, as Witch Finder General. The Salem Witch Trials, correct me if I'm wrong, is that not... Uh, what's referenced in the first Doctor book, The Witch Hunters? Yes. Yes. Great segue, my good sir. This is not the first <laughs> time that Witch Trials has been featured in Doctor Who. There was a book that was originally released in 1998 called The Witch Hunters. It was re-released in 2015 with a history collection, and that is where I purchased and read it. And it takes place in Salem, Massachusetts, during the Salem Witch Trials. The major difference between the Witch Hunters book and the Witch Finders, the episode that we just got, is that the Witch Hunters is much more historically accurate, in which the Doctor and his companions actually interact with historical characters, most notably Rebecca Church, who was tried and convicted of being a witch, although her trial and subsequent execution ended up being one of the the factors that started to lead towards the end of the witch trials because many people began to suspect that it was a, a sham, that she was set up by people who just didn't like her and things like that. And her death sort of woke up the the citizens of Salem and, and the witch trials began to die out after that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I got a... One thing I do remember from the book is that uh, Ian, Barbara, and Susan are actively working to find a way to clear Rebecca Church during the trial, to 
ensure that she is released if she's not found guilty. However, right before the trial happens, the doctor goes off and I forget exactly what he does, but he goes and speaks to the judges and I think think it was either the judge or the uh, prosecutor and gives them information that will convict Rebecca Church. Oh, wow. Really? In order to make sure history stays on course. Wow. Yeah. He does that behind Mm. behind his companion's back. Wow. Yeah. Uh, But it's he's a little bit of a different bird now. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> you know, thirteen regenerations kind of changes you after a while. <laughs> but like I said, there was no alien menace. There was no nothing out of place with that episode. It was all in based in history. You know that that book was all mm-hmm. based around historical events. There was no alien threat. It was just them living through it trying to figure out how you would have people who knew the history of this how they would react and it takes place after you know things like the Aztecs have already happened and so yeah Barbara is still smarting from the fact that she was unable to change anything with the Aztecs and all that stuff right. so yeah it's and the doctor is still very raw from what happened with the Aztecs as well <laughs> hence why he's well you know human sacrifice will do that for you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but similar time period, similar subject matter, very different plot. Yeah. We do have the doctor being accused of being a witch, kind of without her companions knowing because they're sent off to track down mud witches. What do you think of that? Well, there was so much going on as far as subplots and stuff that it almost felt like a Star Wars movie because <laughs> you kept jumping back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Uh, one of the plots, though, that I thought was kind of nice was the story arc with the younger girl. And the fact that she was trying to find a way to stop what was happening without having it happen to her. Right. Willa. Willa Twiston. Yeah. And, and I, I, that kind of drew me more into the story, I think, than the initial part that the doctor was playing in that. Because it gave me a character to kind of relate to in the story to kind of make me kind of feel like that I was part of that story, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I find that any time that they can can make a character like that relatable to the audience, it kind of helps me enjoy the story even more. But I like it when the, when the Doctor and the companions split up sometimes because it gives you more story opportunities. Yeah. We've gotten a lot of stories this series where they were together and they were great, but you didn't have that dynamic that you've had in the past where you had, say, uh, Three and Sarah Jane or... Uh, the Doctor and Romana, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they were in two separate places at two separate times and having two completely separate storylines that interwove with one another. Right. You know, and so I kind of liked the fact that we got a chance to go back to that. And, of course, that's when we discover through all of this that Becca Savage is essentially eliminating everyone in town because she's been infected by the Mora. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I didn't either. Well, I... I <laughs> As we started to to get closer to the end, I began to suspect something was going on. Well, I was I was thinking at first that she was actually the real witch and that she was trying to take the heat off of herself. Right. But I didn't expect it to be what it was, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, no, they, exactly. Me, me too. I was like, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's actually a witch or she's actually this alien that we're beginning to learn about, the Morax. And we find out that Becca 
has been infected, and she's, of course, supposed to be the most pious person in town. Uh, but <laughs> she's trying to hide the fact that she well, she believes she's been taken over by by Satan, the, the devil. And, you know, she's attempting to atone for her whatever this, this sin is or this corruption by rooting out right. all other evil in town, hoping that it will heal her. That's the way that she sees it. And, of course, well, not only that, the, the lady that we saw her kill yep. at the beginning of the story, she literally did that to shut her up. Yes. So that she could not tell anyone. And that makes her the worst person in this story yeah. from that point of view because she literally just absolutely committed murder just to keep a secret. Yeah. Yeah. And now, here's the crazier twist. Becca used to be related to uh, Mother Twiston and Willa Twiston. She's a cousin. Uh, but she married up. Married up into the Savage mm -hmm. family and became, you know, essentially the ruler in Mr. Savage. <laughs> um, so It's kind of messed up. Yeah, yeah. So she killed her aunt to keep her aunt quiet because yeah. her aunt, Mother Twiston, uh, was the, the, the healer who, you know, she created potions and salves and things like that to help right. healings and things like that. And that is why Becca asked for her assistance. And when Mother Twiston wasn't able to, to do anything for her to fix it, uh, Becca had her tried and convicted as a witch to shut her up. And which is why yeah. she initially wanted to go after Willa in the first place anyways, because she didn't know what Mother Twiston had told Willa. That is that is so jacked up, man. It's not even funny. Yeah. I mean, her motivation behind that was completely different from her motivation with the other people that she accused of being witches, because regardless of whether or not her belief was uh, incorrect with those other people or not, had absolutely nothing to do with what was going on with these two women. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> all of this, the, the lying and the scheming kind of fell in on itself. And the doctor, of course, shows up right in time to catch her in the act mm -hmm. and to uh, save Willa, convince King James that she's not a witch and they really find out what's going on. And, and apparently the Morax in ancient times were imprisoned in Pendle Hill. And the tree that had stood at the top of Pendle Hill was, in fact, a complex bio-lock that kept the, the Morax, the, these mud creatures, imprisoned in the hill. Everything starts to come unraveled when Becca Savage decides that the tree is blocking her view <laughs> and decides that it needs to be cut down. I'm going to blow up the earth. It's obstructing my view of Venus. <laughs> yeah, she got a little bit Marvin the Martian there and uh, started to chop it down, which oh, allowed, which essentially allowed a crack, a, a, a fissure in the prison, in the prison and allowed the Morax to start, you know, tendrilling out, yeah. which is when she got infested and it began to infest <laughs> others and then infested the dead in order to have them rise and achieve its, their goal of completely cutting down the tree and breaking the lock, which is what their goal was all along. So that they could release their king. Exactly, so they could release their king. So when the queen finally takes completely over Becca Savage, uh, and she's there with her fellow mud witches, <laughs> all lined up, going, wah-ha-ha-ha-ha, that's when uh, when the doctor is able to convince the king that um, something is rotten in the state of Denmark. 
<laughs> so. Oh, and uh, the the tree branch that is being used as the dunking station, the, the dunking chair to kill the witches yeah. is from this tree. Right. Which is why when Becca Savage touches it, it reacts rather harshly to her. Now, what I wish that we had gotten from this was a little bit more of an explanation as to exactly who put them there. It's ancient. Because this was clearly some type of a of a cosmic uh, organization, some type of a... Uh, Either a military or a governmental thing. Um, it was it was basically a, a prison system, yeah. and, and and they had been there for so long that there was no way to tell how far back in history that they had been there. You right, know? and the the idea um, is is that they had been imprisoned there in prehistoric times, you know, before humanity um, had begun to develop civilizations. So they've been there for millennia. Maybe it was around the same time that the first doctor went on his first mission with his first companions. Mm, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But Mecca attempts to release the king. The doctor is able to develop essentially um, a cork to complete the circuit. <laughs> right. And slam that back plug, in. To, plug the hole. To plug the hole and, <laughs> and suck all the Morax back inside. Oh, dear. Right. <laughs> kind of reminded me of the Goosebumps movie okay. when when all of the monsters got sucked back into the vortex and they were all trying to claw the, claw at things and keep themselves from, from being sucked back in, you know, and it was dragging them back and sucking them into the vortex. Yep. It kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> they make torches out of the tree in order to go witch hunting because the, the smoke uh, affects the Morax because it's part of the, the lock system. King James joins them when they when they get to the lock because he's been <laughs> grabbed because he will be the perfect vessel for the Morax right. King to, to fill because, you know, he's King of the greatest empire on earth at the moment. <laughs> Although he's sort of wandered off on his own for this little adventure. But, uh, not only does he end up joining in with the doctor to do the witch hunting, but Willa does as well. What did you think about the fact that they had already won but he wasn't satisfied with the fact that they had already won and killed the queen anyway. Um, I think it fit. I think it fit his his passion, his drive to rid the country of all evil. You know, back foul, you know, creature mm -hmm. of darkness or whatever it was he said. A back servant of Satan. He, you know, uses the torch and, you know. Incinerates her. It incinerates her. Well, I don't think he knew yeah. that was going to happen. Yeah. Well, he said burn the witch. Well, that's true. He did say burn the witch. So. <laughs> but, you know. She completely incinerates. He didn't, you know, burn the evil part out right. of her, but she just completely poof. Um, Becca Savage right. had no chance to be buried. She's dead. She's no. incinerated. She's ashes and floating around them now. Whereas she would have probably have been freed from that thing had he not done that. Possibly. You know? I don't know. The, the, the thing is, is with the Morax, um, the Morax queen had completely taken over her. I don't know what that does to Becca. You know, Mm-hmm. So it, she may have been able to live from that, or maybe when the takeover is complete, uh, it kills her. I don't know. <laughs> but did you notice the, the look that the doctor gave him when he did that? Very disapproving. She didn't like no, it. No, <laughs> no. She refuses to speak with him for almost until, you know, almost before they leave. You know, she, they, yeah. <laughs> Willa and, and King James uh, go with, with our TARDIS crew. Um, as they return to the TARDIS, <laughs> and she hasn't spoken to him until they find the TARDIS. And he's essentially, he's 
he's walking behind her and he's essentially saying that time period's equivalent of you mad bro <laughs> pretty much <laughs> he tries to get um, he tries to get Ryan to enjoin her to speak with him you know he, he wants to talk to her and trying to and get, Ryan's looking at him like dude do you even know who you're talking about here dude, you, you, know? you don't know you don't know what's going on I, I, I don't have that kind of sway um <laughs> so. But she does talk. But speaking of Ryan. I know. (laughs) Or or my fair Nubian prince. I know, right? (laughs) What? (laughs) Nubian prince, will you please stay with me? Be my protector. Uh, And the look on Ryan's face is like, um, (laughs) dude, you're not my type. (laughs) Right. Uh, He's like, uh, thanks. I'm really... (laughs) <laughs> really appreciate it, but um, kind of already got a job, you know. He's trying to let him down easy, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, of course, that's that's humorous if you know Alan Cummings' proclivities, and supposedly there is historical debate as to King James's proclivities in that right. realm as well. So, um, yeah. well, um, but it was it was funny that. It was <laughs> King James does take a, a shine to Ryan out of everybody. Although he he, he finds Graham interesting um, and gives him the old hat of his old Witchfinder general. Right. He was so wonderful. I trusted him with everything until he betrayed me and I had him shot. <laughs> you know. And and there's the the bullet hole in the hat. <laughs> Graham wears it anyway. He does. He wears it for like almost the whole episode after that. Well, he you know. It was, uh, well, the funny part too, though, is it almost looks like a wizard's hat. You know? A little bit, a <laughs> little bit. Oh, Ryan does give the, the talisman oh, that had been gifted to him, uh, which was like an eye, yeah. you know, in order to, to seek out evil everywhere. He does give that back to, to King James said, but I've got my eye on you, um, you know, <laughs> Mm. Oh, <laughs> I love visual oh, puns. <laughs> no, uh, dude, uh, Alan Cummings almost—he almost stole the show mm-hmm. on this episode. I mean, he did. Every time he was on screen, he just oozed that charisma. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And uh, yeah, it was very, very enjoyable. This this might be my favorite role that he's had since he was in X Men. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Willa says goodbye and says she's going to continue Mother Twiston's career as a healer, make and create the potions and the salves and things like that to be a healer or, or rather a doctor mm-hmm. because she, of course, now very greatly looks up to the doctor and the doctor sort of begrudgingly for not necessarily forgives King James, but makes up with him and, and gives him a, a nice little goodbye. And then she quotes, uh, Clark's law to him as she gets into the TARDIS with the rest of her companions. Any sufficiently advanced form of technology is indistinguishable from magic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because he's like, well, what are you doing with there? And she quotes him that, gets in the TARDIS, and of course activates it and it fades away. And Where did they go? Where did they go? You know, <laughs> King James and Willa are just sa- standing there. Willa's looking on in amazement and, and, you know, she's grinning from ear to ear as she watches this in amazement. And... King James is attempting to wrap his brain around it and just gets perplexed. Where did they go? 
And <laughs> that's the line that the episode ends on. Yeah. I really, I, I really kind of liked the way that they wrapped this episode up. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it felt, it, well, it, it felt like a classic episode, to be honest about it. You know, it really did. This episode in, in its, in its entirety, especially felt more like a classic episode to me. Yeah. Um, and, and I like the fact that we're going back to that vibe over again, you know, because it's nice to depart from that sometimes so that we get something fresh and something new and, and that kind of thing. But it's also nice to come back to the roots of what the show has always been. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, I want that balance of the classic feel and then the new feel and then kind of, you know, mixing it up and having both together sometimes and that kind of right. thing. Uh, because I want I want the classic show and the new show to remain the same show. Exactly. Me too. Me too. So and it it fits that bill for me. I I really enjoyed this episode. I, I think I think we can begin to wrap this up. Give our our ratings and our final thoughts. And and since of course we had our our witches angling for that axe that uh, Becca Savage hid under <laughs> her bed, why don't we why don't we rate this uh, this episode on axes? I really like this episode. I didn't like this episode at quite as much as I have a couple of others this series, but I really, really like this episode. I felt like that it was it was well paced, it was well told, uh, the acting was good. Um, we didn't really have a whole lot of things that I could could have a lot of qualms about. It was just it was just a good, solid episode in my opinion. But like I said, I did like some of the others better. So I'm going to rate this a, I'm going to say a seven and a half. Okay. Seven and a half axes. All right. <laughs> I am honestly wishing that I hadn't rated Kerblam as high as I did last time. Oh, really? Yeah, because <laughs> I like this one better. Oh, really? Uh-huh. But I don't think it deserves to be an eight and a half or a nine. So, yeah, I rounded up with Kablam. I, I did say that last time. So right. So I won't be rounded. Rated the same thing, but yeah. But <laughs> um, I did. I did quite enjoy this episode. This has been one of my more more favorite episodes uh, this season. It's, I think I really enjoyed the Ghost Monument. I really enjoyed Rosa, and then this one. I think those might be my top three episodes this season. And I really just enjoyed the fact that we got a menacing alien behind everything at the end of the day. Again, you know, I, I, I'm really... <laughs> an actual villain? An actual alien <laughs> villain that's trying to, you know, disrupt history and, and the Earth and all that stuff. It's so nice to go back to that and to have an, an actual concrete, these are bad people. Stop them. You know? Yeah. Um. So... I think when it comes to my, my, my stories, you know, it's, it's fun to explore the gray areas sometimes. But at the end of the day, I want my big bad guys to be bad guys. I want my big good guys to be good guys. And I, and I like having the very defined difference there. And so that combined with the classic elements that were all over this, this story, um, combined with the acting and the characterizations of the, you know, King James and Becca Savage and Willa. And all of that, I, I really, really enjoyed this episode um, a lot. There was some really funny moments and some, you know, step back and think moments. And I think it was a very well-balanced episode. So I'm going to give this one a nice, solid eight. I really think it deserves it. Okay. So anyway, yeah, that's uh, 
that's where I stand. Okay, now I have to ask. Uh, do you think we'll ever see the Morax again? No. No. You don't? I don't think we need to, though. You know, they, 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 that's they were an interesting enough villain for a one-off episode. And it's and I and I'm fine with them being the bad guys here and never seeing them again. If they come back, that would be neat. But you know, I, I don't necessarily know how that would work and if it would matter that much to people. Well, it would probably have to be a episode that would be a prequel in in terms of their own timeline. It would have to happen before they got trapped, probably. Maybe you know, it, it is interesting that you mention that because, of course, a couple two episodes ago, we we had the Thanagarians in Demons of the mm-hmm. Punjab, who I vehemently right. would love to have them return as villains at some point because they were so threatening and cool looking and just captured my imagination um, in a way Which that technically could happen if they did that the same way. They could have that as a prequel story in their terms. Technically, yes. Um, but the the way that they end up leaving them at the end of the episode, I, I don't necessarily see them doing that, at least not anytime soon. These, uh, the Morax here, I think were, were cool enough for, for this episode. Um, but I don't think they had a design that would be conducive for, you know, a return appearance. Okay. It would be interesting if they came back, but I don't necessarily ever see that happen. At least not on the TV show. So I think that's gonna, gonna wrap up this episode, folks. Be sure to get in touch with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash talking time lords. Uh, where you can also find our Facebook group is linked there. So check that out if you want to join a more in-depth discussion. And then, of course, our Twitter account is at TalkingTimeLord. Or you can email us at TalkingTimeLords at gmail.com. Our TARDIS on the internet is our website, TalkingTimeLords.com, where you can find links to all of our social media accounts, as well as links to every single one of our previously released episodes and awesome images that Paul creates for each of these episodes. Uh, so be sure to check that out. And of course, tell your friends that we're now available on Spotify. If, if they want to listen to podcasts on Spotify, we are now available there. So tell your friends and, uh, we will look forward to seeing you on that new platform, folks. Or just tell your friends in general and, you know, that'll be nice too. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate that. You know, if you could <laughs> tell your friends, tell your family, tell your neighbor, tell that weird person at the checkout counter at the grocery store. You know, something. (laughs) All right. We're going to wrap up uh, this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 93, which is Brood. For Paul, I'm Jason. And remember, (laughs) until next time. May you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. (laughs) Thanks, everybody.
Satan! Satan! Foul <laughs> servants of Satan, infested by the devil, be gone. Be gone. Satan! <laughs> you shall not pass! <laughs>